Welcome to wrestling. This is fucking wrestling, you son of a bitch. Fucking wrestling, King. Goddamn, goddamn, King. What are you Stone Cold. Stone Cold. Stone well, Cold. <laughs> You're a real piece of shit, there, King. My God, tougher in a two-dollar steak, son of a bitch. <laughs> I love Jim Ross, man. Back in the day. Yes. <laughs> back in the day. He's not bad. Yeah, well, you got to give him some breaks, man. He's he's still a legend, you know. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, like, it's like half the time with him, it's like, does he like even like the product he's commentating on? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Well, he's always been kind of like that sometimes. Yeah, he's just like a grumpy old man. <laughs> what the fuck? I'll tell you who's a grumpy old man. Jim Cornette. Yeah, Jim Cornette, or as I like to call him, the fucking QAnon of professional wrestling. Yeah, I still listen to Jim, though. I'm not going to lie. I listen to Jim. Oh, fuck. I, I'd say at least every other week. I don't listen to every episode, but... If 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 I go to something to wrestle with, it, mm-hmm. I usually start at Bruce Pritchard and see something sparks my interest. I might check out Kurt Angle or uh, Eric Bishop. No, I, I saw the Conrad Thompson yeah. shit that I listened to, and if if none of those uh, seem to be sparking it for me, it's something I want to listen to about. I'll go over to Jim Cornette because. I know it's going to at least be funny. I mean, I know of all the bad shit he's done in the past, but dude, after a while, dude, it's Jim Cornette. Are you really surprised? Yeah, I was going to say, like, the dude, like, lives <laughs> lives to exist to be, like, snitch tag in certain wrestling posts, and it's just him to go, like, pop a fucking blood vessel in his head. <laughs> oh, motherfucker. <laughs> Meanwhile, like, he's done some very, like, dumb shit, like the fucking Ninja Turtles dudes. <laughs> He has, he has, you can't do, you know, but at the same time, he's done some great shit too. Yeah, I can't deny that. I just think he's like, I don't know. I don't know if he's just like trying to like play some character or something, or he's just like, you know, boomer (laughs) setting his ways. Dude, I don't know. Can you imagine though, if he's really, if he's like that in real life, like (laughs) it's entertaining on a podcast, but like, goddamn, could you imagine having to work with him? Yeah. (laughs) This guy's fucking working us into a shoot until we're all dead. (laughs) brother well he does know the business i can say that but oh yeah as much as we uh as much as we love all of our podcast friends in the wrestling business uh our show tonight is we're going to be looking at the final episode of wcw nitro because at the time of this recording two days ago Hmm. march 26th was the 20th anniversary of this show. Yeah, dude, 20, 20 years. years. Fuck. That is so wild to think about. So we're going to we're going to look at the show. We're going to review it. We're going to kind of go match by match. We're going to kind of talk about some of the things that happened on the show, break down what went down, and we're going to look at the wrestlers that participated in this program. And kind of talk about whatever happened to them, where they went after this. And maybe even look into a little bit of how we got here in storyline. Of course, we know in real life, the World Wrestling Federation, they came around. They bought out WCW. That was, um, that's, we all know that story. That story has been told. But the, the, the WWF had a lot of influence on this show. 
Do you think they knew that this was going to be the last one? You think like we're? I know there were plans and there's been talks of plans, but sometimes some people that talk in interviews about this night and about the acquisition don't always, in my opinion, seem to the stories don't align. Does that make sense? Um, I guess I think as like stories always get retold, like especially in wrestling, you know, over and over again, some things get like embellished, even then they just add more to it like over time but yeah there's like so many different like various plans i mean through uh things we've read too like um like you know Vince wanted to make wcw the second brand bring nitro back um and he would take over smackdown whatever but um just the thing is though without um i don't know i feel like the wcw brand at this time was just very like had sort of like a negative connotation like the rep wasn't didn't have like a high reputation as did like a few years back. Oh yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, because it just got muddled through the water like in two thousand. Like, I mean, if you want to like watch some shit to either laugh your ass off or torture yourself, <laughs> I recommend WCW two thousand. <clears throat> it's yeah. some interesting shit. <laughs> it's definitely a source for some bad wrestling. It was definitely WCW at their worst. But to their credit, by the time greed came along and mm. the last couple of pay-per-views from the from two thousand and one, they had three pay-per-views mm. in two thousand and one. And if you go back and you watch those pay-per-views and you you know, you kind of look at what happened on Nitro and everything, like it was starting to kind of come together again. Yeah. They were getting back on the right track. I think they had like Johnny Ace or something working back there as a creative or he was doing like talent relations or something. Like yeah, around yeah, that yeah. time, they had he yeah, was. It was a whole lot of the change of the guard, and then I just don't think the they survived the change of the guard. Yeah, there was always so much shit going on. I feel like there was even like a whole thing like years ago. I read about how this was like apparently like the whole sale at WCW was like sabotage or something because like originally Bischoff was supposed to get it with like yeah. him at the fusion to whatever, and that their plan was to you know take a couple months off and then do like that big pay per view in May. Mm-hmm. But I think the issue with that, though, is, like, trying to get all these talents to be a part of it, especially these, like, big money contracts. And it's, like, you just spent all this money trying to buy the company. Yeah. And, like, how can you pay for these guys now? Well, WWF spent, what, two, three million on it? Like, yeah. are you really telling me they couldn't drop another two or three million and get some players? Like, yeah. really? That could if they wanted to. Or just wait, build, you know, build some, do some fucking long-term storytelling, build it a year, whatever. Then you get all these guys, spend all your money. Boom. Yeah. Like you, Shane, if I had it to do over again, Shane beats Vince at WrestleMania. Yeah. Maybe that's how we introduce Booker T and DDP. Yeah. Then everybody goes away. And we wait. WWF goes on about its merry business. And then we slowly start to bring Shane back. And then we slowly start to bring his son. So then... The invasion, if it would have waited a year, mm-hmm. uh, had a year to finish simmering and, and build anticipation uh, to the show, they could have done a Saturday night's main event. They could have done a pay-per-view. Uh, there's so many things that they could have done with WCW. If they would have just built, if they would have like, re-released it on pay-per-view where nobody can say anything, then they can come in and start the kayfabe of why we don't have a TV show and now we bring them over to Raw and then start the invasion. Yeah, definitely. Because they needed more star power, like, and I think I remember, like, I think Bischoff, he once said on a podcast or something, he was called in, or, like, it's sometime, like, in 2001, I think, they called him whatever to, like, do some stuff, to come in, whatever. So I guess they were trying to have him as sort of, like, 
the de facto head of like the WCW crew, which would have been like fine. I agree. And then they have to like throw ECW in there. It's like it became a fucking McMahon storyline. It's like, do we need that in 2001? We've signed off for that the last three years. Yeah, we've had plenty of that by then. Yeah. Um, the I think the introduction of ECW, I think it might have worked if WCW, like let's say, let's leave ECW out for now. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to put it to the side. We're going to ignore it. It's just WCW, WWF, there's an invasion storyline. Somehow throughout this storyline, you're going to be able to work out. They just can't put it on Monday night. Why can't mm-hmm. you put something on fucking Tuesday night? They yeah. say, I've heard people say that there was a clause in their contract with TNN that they couldn't be on another network. On Monday fucking night. Yeah. And then, but but then, okay, that's well and good. Then how come Heat was on MTV? Mm-hmm. How come, and that's a cable network, by the way. And I'm sure it's got something to do with who owns TNN, probably owns MTV or vice versa. I think it's yeah, Viacom and Paramount on MTV. Well, fuck At it. At least now. Back then, I don't know. But. I don't know either. But then you had SmackDown on UPN. So that that theory to me doesn't really hold a lot of water. Um, get the goddamn show on the air. While you're negotiating that, you've got the invasion angle to keep people happy. Mm-hmm. And then get it over, let them cross paths, let them do what the fuck ever, and then put the goddamn show on Wednesday night or something. Fuck, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> but, Dude, yeah. That was basically like the early thing of like, you know, like the brand extension. They got two brands right there. You could do a yearly meetup, have the invasion preview be like a yearly thing. Or even do it at Survivor Series or whatever. Yeah, even yeah. better. And I'll tell you something else. After WCW is an established second brand, now that it's starting to get its feet under it, then ECW. See is what was happening over here when WCW stood up against the people they didn't like mm. and earned their independence. Now they're coming in. Boom, yeah. you've got your first NWO-like stable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, once they finally get the rights to ECW, because like, the whole story with that, with like Paul Eamon, whatever, was like he basically waited three months for it to file bankruptcy. And then he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I totally own everything. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Shit. <laughs> shit. WWF almost got like sued. And that's why it became the Alliance. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. But they still wore like ECW shirts. And they still, I think, said like ECW. And well, stuff see, that would even get resolved within the year. Yeah. If you, if you waited a year till WCW is an established brand mm-hmm. and then you introduce ECW as a stable or something mm-hmm. like that, then yeah, that works. I mean, I wouldn't say bring it back as a third brand or nothing. I don't, it, that didn't work. That yeah. would never fucking work. <laughs> it could have, but that's another topic for another episode. Oh, yeah. WWECW and like yeah. what could have and should have been. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll talk about that later on in the future. But first, let's do it. Let's get into Monday Nitro. This took place uh, on March 26, 2001 at the Boardwalk Beach Resort in Panama City Beach, Florida. Now, this episode of Nitro, it just so happened that the cards fell just right, and this was the sixth annual Spring Breakout episode. Now, that is a fact about this 
particular episode of Nitro that I feel like doesn't get talked about nearly enough. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody that when somebody else does one of these tribute videos or something to that night, nobody ever talks about Spring Breakout and how big of a deal that was. Yeah. Oh, definitely. That was basically, well, WCW was always that, like, the first sort of, like, wrestling uh, sort of organization to try and target that, like, adult demographic that was, like, but it was 96, you know, at the time, WF was still doing new character gimmicky shit, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, WCW saw, like, a market in there, like, Eric Bischoff, future Hall of Famer. Uh, just oh, saw, yeah. You know, you, you saw the gap there, and it was perfect, and that's perfect. You advertise it to these, like, you know, college kids, for sure. Like, people you, are more like in my age right now, but, you know. You make a, a party. Younger. That's yeah. where they... they It felt like a party when you, you could build a party in the 90s around watching Nitro. Oh, yeah, and you see it in those videos, dude, with the Nitro watch parties and shit. Like, it... Yeah. It was crazy, man. That was a different time, a different era. Like, you're never going to get that again now. No, but it was fun while it lasted. Oh, it was, for sure. Because now it's like... I don't know. I feel like now with, like, TV watching habits and shit is, like, totally different thanks to, like, streaming and all sorts of other media. There's, like, too much at once now. Yeah, but at the same time... Um, there would come a drought after this show mm. for many, many years. TNA tried to fill that drought. TNA came damn close. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, Ring of Honor was never accessible enough to be an actual competitor to WWE. Yeah, they were never on a network that I ever had. Mm. Uh, I'm a lazy fan. If you want me to see your shit, you're gonna have to make it easy for me to do so. Because if you don't, I'll just watch WWE. Um, and so it's before the, when the fight app came along. But the fight app wasn't going to come along until like 2016. So they're tw- 2001 through, I would say, 2004. Mm-hmm. It felt like a drought. TNA, uh, you say what you want about the pay-per-view era. I enjoyed that era of TNA. Uh, the Asylum years, they were coming up. That was neat. Um and you know now that everything's exploded again, we take we kind of take for granted that you know there was a period of time where if it all you had wrestling on was Monday night one show now, mm-hmm. and Friday night Thursday night depending on whenever SmackDown was on. Yeah, there's a lot of content right now. Literally, like every day of the week, there's pretty much wrestling now between like six, seven companies. I think what we're saying is. You kids out there don't know how good you got it today. Yeah. But another thing about today's wrestling is everything kind of looks the same. You've got the set. I mean, I get the pandemic era, but even before the pandemic era, mm-hmm. the show always, Raw always looked the same. Yeah. Like it always looked, it always came from an arena or somewhere. And Nitro did this too. They had their uniform signature look for regular episodes. But then there was sometimes, like when Spring Breakout would come along, they'd be, you know, in that back there with that pool and the water yeah. and yeah. the outdoor environment. <clears throat> that was a really cool, that was a pay-per-view quality setting. Yeah. Even like and, those, yeah. Even the couple times didn't they do like tapings like Disneyland where they had like the pool around? Yeah. Or like something like that. Like I think like in 96, like. That was like a, like a month or two like after the whole like NWO thing for him. I remember they had, yeah, there was something like that like, in, uh, and it, they did it in, makes like, in Disney Studios. Special. Yeah, definitely. Here and there, you gotta make it feel special instead of just like very homogenized. 
I think it would be great if WWE, when the pandemic is over, I, I realize you couldn't do it in this day and age because mm-hmm. of the pandemic, but when this pandemic is over and we're all vaccinated and we're not worrying about this shit anymore, it would be so cool for WWE to start bringing back Spring Breakout as like a network special. Something. I mean, they should start using more of the WCW stuff they have. I mean, NXT's doing that. How cool would that be? NXT, Spring Break, Spring That'd be, Breakout? Yeah. I mean, that would work, but, like, I don't know. I feel like NXT, like, targets a different demographic. I don't know. I mean, like... I don't think that... I think NXT targets this demographic. I don't think Raw could make it work, because they're, they're always... They're trying to get little kids. Yeah, but I mean, like, NXT tries to, but, like, they're... I don't know. If you do... I don't know. I don't want to bring up, like, ratings or whatever. They obviously aren't doing well in that sort of 18 to 49 bracket. Oh, they're losing AEW? AEW's been good lately. Yeah, man, like, I kind of, like, I've always been AEW since, like, day one, whatever, but, like, I did fall off a bit, I think, during, like, this whole pandemic, just because it was, I don't know, for me, it was, like, weird, like, yeah. like there's no crowd, it's fucking weird watching it, and it's like, oh, I just hear, like, the jobbers fucking yeah. <laughs> cheering and shit, which is, like, it's it's good, but, like, eh, then I kind of got back into it, like, a few months after, like, the summer, it kind of dropped off, because, I mean, like, I don't think it was that good in the summer, like, All Out last year wasn't really a great pay-per-view, well, it was probably yeah. like one of their weaker points, but they did get better over time. I think the MJF angle with Jericho right now is uh, what's got my attention and got me watching. But, you know, see what happens with Jericho and yeah. MJF. Yeah. But um, we'll get to talk about them and all that in another episode someday. Uh, first off, uh, let's get back into the show. Now, this was also another thing that sp- uh, spun out of this that you cannot convince me did not uh, inspire and create a line and series of pay-per-views for WWE afterward for many years to come, including this day. This yeah. was the Night of Champions. <laughs> and all of the WCW titles were online. So we're not only getting the first... Think about that. That's a way that WCW Nitro lives on today in the Clash of Champions pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. Because they would, if it, without, 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 Night of, without this show, without the Night of Champions, there would be no Night of Champions pay-per-view series that would eventually evolve into Clash of Champions, which is a name of a property that they got from WCW in that acquisition. Yeah. So, I mean, there's still parts of the WCW that live on today through the wwe and i'm really glad that they're doing stuff like that but um of course we know eric bischoff we've talked about was going to buy wcw uh he announced the week before on nitro that uh this was going to be the night of champions because it would definitely be the last night we knew all we knew is that this would be the last night that wcw programming was on a turner network yeah, because they kept mentioning, I remember, it was like they said season finale or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't know just how. Yeah. We didn't know that this was the final WCW show, but uh, it was. Well, technically, I guess that was. But WWE really did a good job of uh, uh, sending them out with a bang. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to look like that, but I have a theory. Because we open at the beginning with a promo from Vince McMahon. Imagine that. Me, Vince McMahon. Imagine that. Here I am, 
on WCW television. How can that happen? Well, there's only one way. You see, it was just a matter of time before I, Vince McMahon, bought my competition. That's right. I own WCW. So therefore, in its final broadcast tonight on TNT, I have the opportunity to address you, the WCW fans. I have an opportunity to address you, the WCW superstars. What is the fate of WCW? Well, tonight, in a special simulcast, you'll all find out. Because the fate, the very fate of WCW is in my hands. Uh, Ric Flair comes to the ring. And yeah. he goes Actually, across. before that, sorry. He fucking literally fired Jeff Jarrett on the <laughs> oh, air, yeah. which was fucking amazing. He is <laughs> G-O-O-N-E. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. But, yeah, you're right. That did happen. And then, uh, uh, God, who was it I was listening to? I think I was uh, watching Table for Three. And they were talking about that. I think it was uh, Bruce Pritchard. No, they were talking about Jeff Jarrett was sitting next to Bruce Pritchard when Vince said that on air. And he had his bags out and shit and goes, well, I guess I can go home, boys. Have a good night. (laughs) And then Bruce and everybody was all like, nah, dude, we'll call you. It'll be all right. (laughs) Yeah. He forgot until like 20 years later. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I forgot all about that. It's fucking funny, though. Like, Jeff Jarrett's in the WWE Hall of Fame. I don't think he's even in the TNA Hall of Fame. Oh, no way, is he? I think he is. Maybe. He I should be if he is. Because there wouldn't be. be no TNA without Jeff Jarrett. TNA Hall of Fame. Hang on. So uh, this is... This could literally be the moment. This actually literally is the moment that led to the birth of TNA. No, he went in in 2015. Okay. Yeah. No, he's in there both. Before that, Jeff had been in the WWF previously, where he uh, was Cowboy, Double J, Country Western Singer, Gimmick. Don't piss Uh, me off, Jeff Jerry. Yeah, well, he had left and went back to WCW. He went back and forth a couple of times. Yeah. And he went back to WWF for a little while, and then then he was uh, with Deborah, Mm -hmm. and uh, he was supposed to do a program with Austin, and then... He buried him on the mic, and that pissed off Stone Cold. No, I think Stone Cold didn't want to work with him or something. He's like, oh, this guy's fucking brony. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. Jared always thought of himself as a main event guy. I don't know. Like he was, he was, he was upper like upper card for sure. But no, I don't. Jeff. Yeah. Jeff is a big fish in a small pond. Yeah. That's where he thrives. I thought him as a heel in TNA, his NWA World Title run. I didn't think it was bad. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it pissed you off. You hated Jeff Jarrett. You wanted to see him lose. He was the heel. He was only there because he was the boss. You knew it. He knew you knew it. Of course, that's that's what they were going for. And it worked. It got everybody talking. And uh, it was interesting. But, I mean, could he do that same thing and be successful in WWF? I just don't think so. But, I mean, 
he did have some interesting times, like with China. I mean, that all leads to the reason he got fired in the first fucking place is because mm. he held up some money. Now, Jeff has said in interviews and things that all he was holding up money for was money that he was owed because the way that accounting department worked and shit, how it would, uh, they'd take forever to pay you after you were out of the contract. So before he left in the contract, he wanted to make sure he got paid. And so they took it as he was holding up Vince McMahon for money. I think, I guess when it comes to that situation, I, pretty much nobody really knows you're making yeah. up your own mind on what happened there. But um, no matter what, that feud was won tonight on Nitro. Yeah. It's won in the end. So, And then, of course, they made up. And he is in the Hall of Fame. He'd made a couple of appearances for WWE since. And, uh, yeah, I guess you really can never say never in this business. Damn right. So then Ric Flair comes out to the ring. He cuts a promo about, uh, he starts name dropping legends like Harley race and, uh, everything. He's very, very pro WCW promo mm-hmm. that we get from Ric Flair right here at the beginning. And, um, I guess this is the only opportunity we'll get. What do you think about some of the old WCW guys? Like, uh, when you think of legends of that side of the business, because WWF and WCW are two very different sides, but from the WCW perspective, who do you think is probably, besides Ric Flair, mm-hmm. their biggest legend to come out? Well, besides Ric Flair, I would say Sting. Well, yeah. What about like Harley Race? I mean,. I don't know. There was, was Harley no, Race? That was like it, the very early WCW. That was probably like, yeah, you know, territory WCW. Um, this wasn't like if WWE buys out AEW tomorrow, it won't be like this. This was a company that had been around my whole life. Shit, yeah. my whole dad's life. Yeah, right. yeah. It just was like absorbing a bunch of different other territories, basically, I think, what it was. And it just mm-hmm. became World Championship Wrestling. Or it was like, yeah, except for like, some ones in Georgia and all this stuff, like Bill Watts, Mid-Atlantic. Yeah. I mean, you had the Road Warriors. Um, you had a, you had an influx of WWE guys. And then at the end of the day, though, you know, you had... like Harley Race didn't do as much in WWE, but he was a legend in WCW. And yeah. if it wasn't for Harley Race, there would be no Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many other guys like that. Tully Blanchard, Magnum TA. Um, I mean, that list is a whole separate video in itself. Oh, yeah. um, Anyway, Flair cuts his promo and he challenges Sting tonight. Neither does he. Did I? Hollywood, the Road Warriors, stay 
Negro, Ric Flair, Steamboat, does that mean you're going to hold us all in the palm of your hands? To coin a phrase, I don't think so. You know, at 12 o'clock today, someone very special to me said, do not go on that show tonight knowing it's the last time that you'll ever be on TNT or TBS. Knowing it's the last time, she said to me, don't go out there and cry. Don't go out there and say you're sorry. Because I'm not. I've been 14 times the world champion. In my eyes, for the greatest, you got it. The greatest wrestling organization in the world. WCW. We, I'm talking about the Stings, the Lugers, the Steiners, the Road Warriors. I'm talking about my best friend, Arn Anderson, and the Four Horsemen. We have been on a par, and we have been equal to any wrestling organization in the world. As a matter of fact, we have run neck and neck with you, Vince McMahon, for years, for years. And just for trivia, Vince McMahon, do you know that in 1981, when you were trying to become an announcer, your dad was on the board of directors and voted for me to be the world champion. Woo! How about that? And ever since that day, I have been a limousine riding, jet flying, kiss dealing, wheeling dealing, son of a gun, that along with the whole WCW, damn it all, have kissed the girls worldwide. I made him cry. But you see, we were every bit the force. We were WCW. We lived, we breathed, we sweat, we paid the price to be the best. It's never been about the boys. It's always been WWF versus WCW. In the office, the boys that have gone out there night in and night out doing everything they could to be the very best at what they chose to do in their life. Those boys are here tonight. We are. We're not going anywhere. You can't hold us in your hands and predict our life. We're WCW. We bled and we sweat. When was the last time you wrestled for an hour? Cut yourself five times. Blood for 45 minutes. When were you there? You weren't. You weren't. You never in a dressing room. On the road, 40 days and 40 nights. 
bleed, sweat, go to the next town, you are there. You can't hold people's lives in your hands. We're the greatest wrestling company of all time. I want to say it again. You can't control us or our future. And in closing, let me say this. In all my years in this sport, my greatest opponent in this company has been Sting. So tonight, if we're going out, if we're going out on the hideout, Stinger, the Nature Boy, wants you right here because that's right. Oh my God, he wants Sting. Right Sting, Sting, my greatest opponent. Sting, it's your last chance, your last chance to be. We did find out last week also, any Eric Bischoff last week on Nitro as part of the Night of Champions laid out an official invite for any former WCW world champion that wanted to appear on this episode of Nitro was invited to do so. And we would later in the broadcast find out Sting is pretty much the only one. (laughs) Yeah, no one accepted offer. Like, dude, like half these guys are like, all right, sweet. I get to stay at home now. Because <laughs> now Goldberg's gone, Nash is gone, Hogan's gone. Yeah. And who is left at the core of this? Rick Flair and Sting. This is the bitter end. Literally, yeah. <laughs> they were worse on the first one and the final episode of Nitro. Yeah. So we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But first, it's time for our first match of the night. Booker T... The WCW United States Champion versus WCW World Heavyweight Champion Scott Steiner in a title unification match. Now, a little bit before this, Scott Steiner, let's talk about the champion first. Scott, uh, I forget who Scott won the belt off of, but he'd been defending it against guys like Sid Vicious. I think he beat Nash, didn't he? He beat Booker T. He beat Booker T. So he beat Booker T. No, he didn't beat Booker. Did he beat Booker T to get the belt in the first place? Yeah, I believe. I think it was what Mayhem two thousand in that like straight jacket sure. cage match. Okay. Which I I don't know how I fucking remember this, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like when I first got W Network, I'm like, let me just watch through like WCW two thousand the pay per views because like the nitros weren't there. So like, let me watch the pay per views. Like something's just <laughs> fucking yeah. ridiculous, but yeah, a straight jacket cage match. What? Why? Just make it a cage match. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the... yeah. Because like they're making Scott Steiner like this crazy dude. Like he can't be stopped. He's like fucking insane. He's a freak, you know. Like, and he just <laughs> like runs through motherfuckers, like breaking people's legs with the pipe. These women got some bad acting. Yeah, <laughs> cut and shoot promos on Ric Flair. <laughs> God, oh, that's okay. fucking. So uh, I know before this, at WCW's last pay-per-view, Greed, 
Scott Steiner had just defended the world championship when he beat DDP, uh, Diamond Dallas Page. So he's, he's, he's established as the world champion. However, Booker T is a brand new United States champion, having just beat Rick Steiner at Greed to claim the WCW United States title. Now here we are, a few weeks later, he's going one-on-one with the other brother, Scott Steiner, for the WCW championship. Booger T, he really, I mean, he's got a legacy in WCW. He goes back to shit, early 90s. Like, he may even go back further than that. But I the furthest, I can remember Booker T back in, like, 93 with Harlem Heat and his brother Stevie Ray and uh, Miss Sherry and yeah. dominating the tag team division. Yeah, they won, like, was it almost like 12-time tag champs or something? I, I don't even know. They were a hell of a tag team. I gotta look that up. So they, I know they won like a shit ton of WCW tag titles. Well, it's cool because like Booker T and Stevie Ray Harlem Heat had some really good matches with the Steiner brothers uh, back in the early days of WCW. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so, ten time world tag champs. There we go. Nice. So you take uh, you take the most successful one of Harlem Heat, Booker T. The most successful one of the Steiner brothers, Scott Steiner. And now they're going one-on-one. It's like that feud from the ages is coming to an end right here also. so Or so, or so we thought. For WCW, it came to an end. So, yeah. How cool is it to see those two guys, though, that started in WCW. Maybe not started in WCW, but started in mm. the territory system. The way guys today would start in the indies yeah. before they go to the big league. And really, these are two guys that stuck around and helped build this league. Literally, yeah. They were, yeah, literally from the ground up. Like Booker, Booker T was like in and out of like doing tags and like the sort of mid-card single stuff. Same with Scott until like, you know, he... You know, join NWO, turn his brother, whatever. Then start cutting crazy. fucking, start cutting shoot promos over here. But right there, <laughs> your fucking yellow crooked deep general <laughs> bitch. God, that is one of his greatest promos ever. Just the one where he's like, <laughs> "Are you not entertained though?" Like, oh, it is fuck. so entertaining, dude. Just, oh. I just, I just love Scott Steiner for that because, like, just that character. Like, yeah. even though it was kind of like a little bit of him in real life at that time too. Which is crazy, because dude, he cuts like he cuts like these like scathing promos, and he's suspended for a week with pay. <laughs> it's like they're scared of this man. Yeah, <laughs> just don't come next week. We'll still pay you. <laughs> well, he takes on Booker T, and they're gonna find. And this is the final match. I'm not gonna go move by move and review the the match or anything, mm-hmm. but Booker T, of course, won the match, unified the titles, and claimed his fourth. WCW World Heavyweight Championship.
from a man almost 300 pounds of solid muscle. Oh, Scott Steiner is such a tremendous athlete, always a surprise in that ring. Picks him up, Booker T, lands on his feet, he's got his throat in! something i noticed on the network recently and once i've now that i've seen it i can't unsee it have you ever noticed how the wcw title is bent in that one spot at the top yeah at the top that that's how you know it's the real like the legit like <laughs> big gold now you're telling me all these years nobody could fucking fix that <laughs> know, they just kept it because of the lineage probably i don't know man somebody could have got a goddamn hammer and banged out multi-billion dollar company you can't fix a dent in your goddamn championship like that got on my nerves yeah i know their budget was decreasing year by year so i mean who knows at this point that was the first guy to go was the the belt uh what we call it the belt bend remover (laughs) belt artist So we get another Vince McMahon segment backstage, and then we cut to a, since it's spring breakout, spring breakout is brought to you by 1-800-COLLECT. So we get a 1-800-COLLECT beach montage commercial there, uh, which really reminds you what time, what the time frame and where the world was. Yeah, (laughs) this was going on. Crazy shit. (laughs) It's like so far-fetched, like, like future generations will see this and be like, "What? What is this? <laughs> what the fuck was a collect call?" Yeah, what? What, what are these people doing? <laughs> Where are these sponsors? You know what's bad? The one eight hundred collect was such a fucking ripoff. Like it costs so goddamn much. You now what we used to do is we would call one eight hundred collect when we would ask, when it would ask for our name, we would say the message and in the message, back, "Hey, this is Dustin. Call me at this phone number." Do you accept the charges? And then they say no. Yeah. And then they call the phone number, and it's cheaper. The long paying the comp- long distance company was cheaper than calling collect. And then I didn't have to have change for a payphone. Oh shit! 
Yeah, we figured that shit out ages ago. Uh, so up next, we got a qualifying match for the brand new WCW Cruiserweight Tag Team titles. Whoever wins this match is going to get a uh, shot at the gold. We've got the Young Dragons, Kazuyoshi and Yang. We have three count, Shannon Moore and Evan Courageous. Fucking three count, man. One of the good <laughs> things about 2000s WCW. They were fun. Dude, I know, man. I was uh, watching this past weekend uh, to celebrate the anniversary of this show that we're doing the podcast for right now. Personally, I uh, I couldn't find the the last Nitro on Peacock. I looked for it, and uh, you know we did the shift, so I, I couldn't actually sit down and watch the episode again like I wanted to. But I did watch Greed, and. My girlfriend was in the living room with me, and you know how girlfriends in wrestling mix sometimes. They just don't. <laughs> yeah. <It depends. laughs> and and um, so, yeah, I had to explain, why is he acting like a Backstreet Boy? Because he's supposed to be a Backstreet Boy. Because <laughs> that's where they're parroting, boy bands, which are... Which is crazy. You think now, like, remember boy bands? They're fucking huge. I know, now. right? Now there's that's like another thing that shows you that's what the world was like back then. Like, yeah, dude. Time capsule shit going on right here. Uh, so, anyway, uh, they also, it's a three way dance, and Rey Mysterio and Billy Kidman are the last team in. It's very much one of those cruiserweight, what would become known in TNA as an X division. Style yeah. match, very high pace, not a lot of selling. Ray Mysterio, an unmasked Ray Mysterio at that. Yes, yeah, babyface Ray. Yeah, yeah, baby Ray. Sweet baby Ray. Yeah, I like what WWE is doing around this time too, like pushing more of the cruiserweights. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, the cruiserweight tag team titles were like interesting. They looked like shit, but it was an interesting idea. Yeah, I mean. I thought they looked kind of cool, to be honest with you. With yeah. the wings on the side? I don't know. I, I don't know. Of... I feel like they're, like, too big. They're just, like, fucking yeah. huge. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. I feel like for a first revision, it's okay. I mean, you can always just, like, make new ones, like, a few months down the line, for sure. I think, they, I think you're right. They could have shrunk them down a little bit for the mm -hmm. little guys that's going to be holding them. I was going to say, yeah. Is... <laughs> and it may have not been that small. I mean, goddamn, it was Rey Mysterio holding the motherfucker the last time I saw it. So Yeah. When you really think about it, maybe it was just a normal size belt. Yeah, and it's also interesting because this now a rematch of the same match they had for the these titles that get greed about a week and a half earlier. Yeah, that's coming up. That's coming up later. We're gonna yeah. get that rematch because of this victory. Uh, but then we go into Vince and Trish having a makeout segment. Trish Stratus, man, what'd you think about Trish Stratus back in two thousand one? Come on now, be honest with me. Listen, Canada represents. I have time. <laughs> oh man, I was fourteen years old, and good lord, yeah, she uh, had my full attention when she was on the screen. I'll give her that. <laughs> but then she'd ruin it, making out with fucking old ass Vince McMahon. Like then I was like, ugh. Yeah, but I just like, predi predicted the future like twenty years from now. Look, it's young hot chicks making out with old dudes for money. I know, right? That's pretty much what everybody. That, that's why the world's like this. All everybody was yeah. seeing that. And... Yeah, that's how <laughs> Trisha Vince like. I want that. Ugh. Gross. Uh, chocolate titties. <laughs> uh, Canadian titties. Chocolate Canadian titties. Freaking best. <laughs> Such good shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
next match is again another cruiserweight match for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Sugar Shane Helms from Three Count defeated Chavo Guerrero Jr. And I believe this was a rematch, was it not? This was yeah. another Greed rematch. Yeah, didn't Shane win the title at Greed, I think, from Chavo? Or? I think so. I think Shane won the title at Greed. Sugar Shane Helms, of course. We know Sugar Shane would uh, go on to WWE to be the Hurricane. Uh, did he come out of the Matt Hardy school? Am I remembering that correctly? I think so, because the, well, they're both from North Carolina, and I think like Shane did wrestle a lot like in the Hardy sort of indie promotion, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's scary. Uh, I remember that being a good match. Sugar Shane wins. I know that the last thing you see is him with it. The last thing I remember is when he's got his tongue stick out like Gene Simmons, and he's holding up the cruiserweight belt at the end. Yeah. Yeah, the cruiserweight belt was like freaking just pretty much buried last year. Yeah, I did think that was a cool looking belt though. It is. It's a classic belt. When WC when WWE brought it in, I was really glad if they were going to save a WCW championship and keep it on their brand. I was really glad that it was the cruiserweight title. Yeah, they made it into their own title basically. Yeah, the only thing that disappointed me is when they murdered the aesthetic of it. Oh, yeah, except to create their own. It's not, it wasn't created by us. Yeah, and it just, if, if it had been a better looking belt, it'd have been one thing, but it was a fucking ugly belt that was made to look like the WCW one, and the WCW one looks so much better. Oh, I would, yeah. I would add that to a collection if I already had one. I've seen it in real life a few times, and it's, uh, the replicas of it and things that I have seen are very beautiful bells. Mm-hmm. Um, but we go further. We get a promo from Booker T talking about what it's like to be possibly the final WCW champion. Of course, we now know technically he wouldn't be, but he would definitely be the last. He would definitely be the first one to carry the torch into the WWF era of mm-hmm. whatever WCW was going to become, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Up next, we get another Vince McMahon angle with Trish and Michael Cole. Good fucking Lord. Vince was all yeah. over this episode. They wanted to get their heel, their new heel established that you got to hate this guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can, I can see why. It's like, listen, I just be my competition, and I'm going to fucking do this to them right now. So, you know, I guess just... You know, I don't know, billionaire bullshit it's, going on. It's building up to something. <clears throat> yeah. It's not like he was just doing it with, you know what I mean? The payoff you get at the end of it, which we'll get to in a minute. We don't want to spoiler or talk too far ahead, Yeah, but it pays off. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, we're going to take a quick break and uh, tell you really quick about our website, gunsandradio.com. Did you know you can get all kinds of exclusive content? And when we post these bonus shows like this right here, I don't know if this is a bonus show, these spinoff shows, you will get access to them 30 days before anybody else. Wow. That's a lot of time to wait. So don't wait for the next episode of Wrestling. If you, if you like this show and you like Guns N' Roses and you like rock and roll and you just like podcasts in general, 
we've got a whole collection here for you that we want to share with you and we want to invite you to come be part of our family starting at only five dollars a month yeah yeah not just the audio we even have uh, video vlogs um stuff like that a lot of video content too so if you're a videoaholic you can you know watch more of us and listen to us at the same time so oh yeah we've been and we're constantly posting new content so come join us come get in on it get in while we're still growing too and have an influence influence us tell us what you want to hear mm. and we'll do it all right back on nitro our next match chuck balumbo baloney <laughs> <laughs> almost a baloney chuck palumbo and sean o'hare versus lance storm and mike awesome for the wcw tag team titles yeah man. good match mike awesome had a match who did he fight on greed oh fuck hang on we'll look this up because uh, I remember blah, 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 blah. watching Greed and seeing Mike Awesome in the ring with somebody. Yeah. Uh, let me check. It's WCW. Give me, give me fucking pay-per-view events. Man, Mike Awesome. One of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Like, I, whatever someone mentions Mike Awesome, just like, I fucking love Mike Awesome. <laughs> and yet, here he is, buried smack in the middle of the card. But he made it to the last Nitro ever, so. Yeah. Let's see. Where the... Oh, yeah, so it's Lance Storm Mike Awesome, because Mike Awesome, I guess, joined Team Canada at that time. They beat yeah. Hugh Morris and Conan. Uh, great. Okay, that's right. They were the, uh, were they the Misfits in Action? No, no, I think Misfits in Action was done by then. Huh, who was Misfits in Action? That was Conan, Booker T. Conan <clears throat> was never in MIA. He wasn't? No, Conan was never in MIA. It was always with Filthy Animals. Filthy Animals, Filthy Animals, that's it. yeah. Yeah, MIA was humorous, fucking Chavo. Booker T was there for like probably a month, not even. Lash LaRue. Sharu, the Wall Brother. <laughs> Let me ask you something. Because Lash, Lash LaRue actually came and wrestled at my home promotion uh, back in like 2002, 2003, right mm-hmm. after this. What do you remember about Lash fucking LaRue? <laughs> I don't know. He was just a cruiserweight dude in WCW. That was it. And he was from New Orleans. He was a a Cajun. (laughs) That's it. That's a weird thing, man. I wonder whatever happened to Lash LaRue. We should see if we can get in touch with him. Yeah, I think he, like, wrestles for a bit. The last I heard, I think he's, like, a cartoonist now or something. Yeah, I was about to say, I think he's an artist now or some shit. Yeah, yeah, he's, like, a cartoonist. He does, like, drawings and stuff. Huh. Yeah, we'll see if we can make that happen. I'll see if I can contact him. Ain't gonna make no promises, but... Yeah. I'll send him an email, see what he says. It's an idea. Uh, up next. Actually, no, before we move on, let's talk about Lance Storm. Oh, love Lance Storm. Super underrated talent. Not just because he's Canadian. <laughs> no, like seriously, he is, man. Uh, he is. He's one of the greatest. I think Lance Storm and Hardcore Holly had some underrated matches mm-hmm. because they were always on like heat and shit. But if you'd give Lance Storm and Hardcore Holly a pay-per-view spot, and they may have had one and I forgot about it. Probably. But, man, Lance Storm and Hardcore Holly could have fucking, that's a dream match for me that nobody ever realized we wanted back then. Well, dude, if not for, like, even Lance's in-ring work, his out-of-ring work with the amount of, like, people, like, he's trained. Yeah. Insane. 
But, man, Lance Storm can have a good match with just about anybody. He's just so bland, but I think that adds to him to me. Like, yeah. his lack of personality is his personality. Yeah. Like, I'd say this was, like, his best run, I think, in wrestling, besides, like, his ECW stuff. I don't I, – I haven't seen much of his ECW stuff. I'm going to lie. I'm not a huge ECW mark. I want to be. I have to give it a shot a few times. But maybe when it gets on Peacock, if they don't – yeah. Such the shit of it. Yeah. I've been seeing the memes of that, and it's like, oh, when the Peacock Center comes across New Jack. <laughs> <laughs> New Jack is not going to exist on the network anymore. Oh, God. <laughs> Can't wait till this Peacock bullshit is over with. But anyway, <clears throat> let's see. Who else we got? Chuck Palumbo, Sean O'Hare, everybody but Mike Awesome in this match goes on to have at least something in WWE. Sean O'Hare would go on to, he would come over in the invasion and stick around to be repackaged as the devil's advocate kind of character. Do you remember that? Yeah, but then they ended up pairing with like Roddy Piper. <laughs> and now it was like it was cool like i feel like sean we had such like potential like he had it, a fucking yes. sick moveset. set he was good man and, like god rest his soul he could like, work he was fucking awesome he could talk he had the look and then i think honestly i think he just had if that character had come along in tna it may have been a whole lot better oh yeah because like I mean, WWE became so overcrowded before they thought to split it into two, and even after they split it into two, it was still overcrowded. Because I mean, on one side you've got Hogan and Rock and fucking Undertaker, and then on the other side you've got Triple H, the NWO, fucking, you know what I'm saying? Like mm. both sides of the card. Stone Cold, Stone Cold was still there at the time. Yeah, both sides. There's only so much TV time to go around and. Yeah, I think if they would have been on another show, that Sean O'Hare could have been, he could have at least been Intercontinental Champion if they'd have handled him right. Something. I was going to say, they should have even given Mike Awesome a bit more to do when he's in WWE. Yeah, his last WWE run, well, of course, his last WWE run was the ECW. Yeah, well, he was he was part of the Invasion, Mike Awesome, for a bit, and then, like, they oh, yeah, he released was. him. He did some indie shit. I think he went back to Japan, probably. And then he did that one-off, uh, one-night stand. Yeah, I forgot he was part of the invasion, but it didn't last very long. Yeah. I just wish, because he was very underrated, too. Of everybody in this match, though, I think when it comes to success in WWE, in my opinion, Lance Storm would go on to win the tag team titles, do Team Canada, or uh, an- the anti-Americans. Oh, the un-Americans. The un-Americans. <laughs> Fuck, that's and- good. And shit like that later on. And I think Lance had a great WWE career after this. I think he won the IC title too. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He beat Edge for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had some great matches with Edge. I mean, Lance did good in WWE. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, come on. I I think we can fairly say of the four people presented in this match, Chuck Palumbo... Had some good shit. Yeah. He came yeah. over. Stealing a biker gimmick from Undertaker. <laughs> he came up for a little bit, but then, you know, it had a rocky start. But, man, when they put him with Billy Gunn and they did Billy oh, and Chuck. Yes. That for sure. That's that was, I think, too far ahead. <laughs> that was the last. Billy and Chuck was the last I remember seeing of Chuck Palumbo. Yeah. But, um, I mean, 
What did he do before this? Was he Mr. No, he wasn't Mr. Perfect. He was, uh, who was he ripping off? Yeah, I think he was ripping off. You know, he's ripping off Lex Luger, the perfect whatever. Yeah, Luke, Lex Luger. And then Mr. Yeah. Perfect, because Mr. Perfect's ripoff was Sean Stasiak. We're getting yeah. him in a little bit. I remember they were together as the perfect event. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But then he but then he became Chuck from Billy and Chuck. Yeah. And uh when that angle when that team ended, that was pretty much it for Palumbo. But uh I think that was probably one of the more memorable things at the time because that took a lot of balls mm-hmm. to do in that day and age. Oh yeah. And this day and age, one, it would never happen. Mm-hmm. The 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 and it was the ambiguously gay duo was yeah. a Saturday Night Live sketch years before Billy and Chuck came along, and I feel like mm-hmm. the ambiguously gay duo uh, was a lot of. Uh, the the shtick of Billy and Chuck, like they're not gay, but it turns out they're not gay. But <laughs> yeah, everybody sure thought they were. <sighs> but that's that's the one I remember the most. Mm-hmm. And of course, like I said, Lance Storm, he had some success too. And I think both of those guys probably are deserving of their own videos later on in the future we go in and we go to our next match sean stasiak versus bam bam bigelow now a couple of weeks before this stasiak this is another rematch from greed uh stasiak beat bam bam uh at greed and then bam bam beat stasiak on nitro and so last week on Nitro, Bam Bam basically accepted a third match, but he said that if he wins the match, he gets to tattoo Sean Stasiak. Yeah. So if it's, so he comes to the ring, he's holding his tattoo kit, and Stasiak goes over so he doesn't have to get the tattoo. That's the end of that whole rivalry. Yeah. So it's a bow on that. I just remember this match sucked. <laughs> yeah. Bam Bam... Bam Bam Bigelow was he was great in WWF in the early nineties. I mean, he made better than WrestleMania. He didn't always have the best matches, mm-hmm. but he was always around. And sometimes, you know, he was a scary motherfucker before Kane. Yeah. And you know what I mean? When by the time Kane came along, I mean, he definitely could have had some good feuds with Kane and the Undertaker. I think he did have a, a feud with the Undertaker at one point. Did he not? Probably. It's, yeah, probably. They probably had like a match or something. That's when he was there in the E at the time. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Bam Bam probably wasn't going to come over on the invasion ever at any given time. No, no way. I don't think was even interested in signing him. I don't even know. Has he showed up in TNA yet? He's dead now, but when did he die? Um, it was, I think, a little after this. Hang on. Really? Since I have like the stuff loaded up here, maybe just look. WCW, uh, then he went to DF back. He died uh, in two thousand seven. So he. Yeah, he had time. The, so I, he didn't want the buyout though. Huh. So yeah, it says after WCW was purchased, he accept opted not to accept the buyout. So he basically just said, "Sat at home, got paid, whatever." He did show up actually in NWA TNA. Oh. Um, he always actually, sorry, he was considered 
one of the performers considered but was unavailable due to his contract. And he just did stuff on the indies for a bit and then yeah. Passed away. Yeah. What about Sean Stasiak? Now he would go on to have one yeah, of idiot. the weirdest WWE runs. I think if I go with everybody on the card here that would get signed to WWE later on and or even right now, he came over on the invasion. Mm-hmm. Of all the people on this card that, that they got, I, I don't think anybody had a more weird uh, WWE run than Sean Stasiak. Yeah, I think it was mostly just punishment because, like, there was the whole story of like this because this was like right before WrestleMania 17. This was the week, this was the go home show to WrestleMania 17 for yeah. Raw. And there was that whole like thing about, I think he went on some like radio show, was interviewed, whatever. And he leaked some plans about like the WCW guys were going to show up at WrestleMania. And so that's why you like, they're supposed to actually like help Shane or something. That's why you saw him in the skybox because he, you know, fucking blabbed his mouth about it. Fucked it up for everybody. Yeah. And so that's why they gave him like that stupid gimmick where you just run into places and be an idiot. Yeah. And then he never won a match his entire run in WWE. He went away and came back repackaged as Planet Stasiak. And he would. He would talk in rhyme, and I think he even had a manager at one point. Yeah. And uh, I don't remember who the fuck it was. <laughs> remember when he would come back, when he, he went away for a little while, and then after the draft, he came back with uh, his hair all fucking jailed up to here, talking in rhyme. Yeah. And, I remember that. It was, it was there. It was weird. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was the weirdest fucking thing, but moving on from that. Oh, yeah, at the time, I also got in my notes, Sean Stasiak was managed by Stacey Keebler in this match. So there's somebody we can talk about that would have a nice run in WWE immediately following the invasion and everything is Stacey Keebler. Yeah, dude, Playboy cover bunch of other things insane for sure i don't think she's in the hall of fame or she's stacy never had a playboy you're thinking of tori Tori. oh shit never mind yeah sorry but goddamn, she would have damn yeah i think it was supposed to happen though yeah i think it was at one time and then somebody said something to her and ended up she ended up changing her mind but damn how cool would that have been yeah (laughs) It was interesting, for sure, for sure. She would go on to, she managed Test and Scott Steiner. I think probably yes. for me, when I think of Stacey Keebler and her time in the WWE, the one that always sticks out to me is probably the peak Stacey Keebler uh, is when she was the Duchess of Dudleyville. Yes, yeah. That, to me, is how I will forever remember Stacey Keebler as the manager for the Dudley Boys. Mm-hmm. Because everything, she, I mean, she she did some, for, for, for the material that women in the company were given at the time, she was a top player. Mm-hmm. She couldn't wrestle worth a shit, but she didn't need to. She was a character. She was a manager, and she was... Damn good to look at, and she's always involved in a storyline. So, I mean, I, I think complain. out of this match, 
definitely the person that went on to have the most success is the manager, Stacy Keebler. Yeah, I mean, didn't she also take George Clooney for a time? Yes, I thought they got married, but I might be wrong. But yeah, I think that was when she left. I'm going to close my window real quick. Yeah. Neighbor mowing his yard. Um, but yeah, that I believe you're right. I believe she did go on to, to uh, was that get that get that gold? Uh, get that Clooney say? money. <laughs> <laughs> get that Clooney money. Yeah. Uh, yeah, brother. I'd have quit the business too if I got that Clooney money. I can't blame her. But... <laughs> Shit, George Clooney better not call me wanting to hook up and not be serious. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so then we have another Vance angle, this time with William Regal. And we get, uh, they come back from Nitro. And William Regal says to Vince, WCW is trash. Why would you buy that piece of garbage? And then we come back to Nitro to Tony Schiavone pissed off going, yeah, we had to do some pretty outrageous bullshit here. Like, put your dumb ass over, Steven Regal. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Regal. You remember Steven Regal in WCW? A little bit. I remember him more in WWF because he had like that quick like man's man run. And then I guess he went back. Yeah. yeah. And then he came, by this point, he came back to WWF and he was the commissioner. Yeah. World Wrestling Federation. We're only about a week removed, maybe, from Jericho pissing in his tea. Oh, yeah. You remember that? Yeah, because I was setting up a match. I think they had a back seven. And, of course, when in the invasion, Regal would join WCW in kayfabe, mm-hmm. only to get fired after Survivor Series that year, 2001. And he was given an ultimatum in storyline to save his job and to continue to be part of the World Wrestling Federation post the WCW invasion. Mm -hmm. And we got probably what some people are going to remember when they think William Regal. The Vince McMahon kiss my ass angle. Oh, God. (laughs) God. Dude, you just see the amount of like angles that that guy has made about him and his family. You just you just know he's a self-absorbed son of a bitch. <laughs> fucking McMahon family bullshit. Kiss my ass club. Fucking I don't know. So many others. Vince is such a good character, man. I don't know I him beating you. up his own daughter. I love Vince. Beating I mean, up yeah, his son. His family don't need to be in it all the fucking time. But come on, man. You gotta love some Vince. Divorcing his wife every like. Two and a half years for storyline purposes. Uh, you know, you know how it is. I want and then to get back together. Oh man! So we get a video message from DDP mm-hmm. about the final Nitro. Uh, DDP will not be appearing in person in this uh, episode, but he did take time to participate in making a video package for it. Diamond Dallas Page, a WCW legend by now a wcw original people say wcw didn't make its own own stars that's bullshit they made sting they made Mm -hmm. rick flair they made they may not have made as many Mm -hmm. all at once as the wwf did but they made their fair share of stars and one of the stars that they made was diamond dallas page oh dude hell yeah and diamond dallas page was a hell of deserved a hell of a lot better treatment than what he got after this when he did take the goddamn buyout and went to work for the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah, I think the rumor was, I think Paige even said at that time, like, he was already in talks. He saw, like, the ship was sinking, and he was already in talks with WWE to go there. 
So, like, he was already, like, one foot out the door, I think, at this point. Well, either way, man, the man was a goddamn legend. <laughs> and then he's going to come over, and his first angle is the goddamn stalking The Undertaker's wife. Yeah, the, he, he didn't start out hot, but, like, it got better after that. It did get better, but, I mean, he started out in an angle that just buried him. Like, he could have started out running a fucking... You know what I would have done? I would have brought him in and put him with Triple H. Ooh. Like, that would have been what... That would have been the first DDP run. In hindsight, I mean, we can armchair quarterback the goddamn thing all yeah. day. But, I mean, think about Triple H at that period of time when he was coming off of... Uh, uh, he just turned heel. Well, no, he hadn't just turned heel. He was a heel against Stone Cold Steve Austin. And then they'd just come up. Didn't they have a WrestleMania? No, 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 no. Steve Austin beat him for the title. Yeah. No, The Rock beat him for the title. So The Rock and Stone Cold, they had each other's attention at the time. So let The Rock keep working with Stone Cold before you get Triple H back. And had Triple H not got hurt, yeah. obviously. You bring in Diamond Dallas Page, let him work with Hunter for a little, for a couple of months. That could have been great. Because, I mean, unlike Scott Steiner, I mean, we're going to get to him in a minute, but DDP, he had it. Like, mm-hmm. he had it in the ring. He His best years may have been behind him, but he could have had a decent run. If I'd say been, so. If oh, they'd yeah. have knew what they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, up next is Elix Skipper and Kid Romeo defending the WCW Cruiserweight Tag Team Championships against Billy Kidman and Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio and Kidman would win to become the last ever WCW Cruiserweight Tag Team Champions. You know, I thought they might bring that back with 205 Live. There was rumors about it, but I guess nothing ever happened. Yeah, never, never I don't know if this whole Cruiserweight shtick. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a thing of the past at this point. Yeah, you can't really have a cruiserweight division when, like, everyone's doing those moves now. Yeah, you can't have a cruiserweight division when everybody weighs 200 pounds. Yeah, I mean, like, wrestling has, like, evolved so much now that, like... The cruiserweights have taken over, there's no need for it. Yeah, if anything, you need more of, like, a... Dude, do, like, a freaking, like, shoot fighting division or something. I don't know what you'd do. (laughs) I think that would be awesome. That's, like, a new thing that's, like, coming up now, like, in wrestling. Have guys, like... You know, more of a technical sort of thing, kind of similar to like, like the ROH Pure Championship, kind of like that, but take it more like a more shoot direction, like, kind of like okay. give it like a bit of like um, a bit of an MMA feel to it, but like that, more gritty, like a blood sport kind of thing. I get that. The only reason I don't like including MMA is because I don't like to give the feeling of everything you've seen before this is fake. Yeah. I don't no, like I'm... breaking that wall. But I get what you mean. You can incorporate that style. I think Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko did a good job of incorporating some MMA into the look. They did a good job of looking like legitimate wrestlers. Yeah. I mean, Dean Malenko was a man of a thousand holds. So he knows oh, yeah. his way around that stuff. Damn straight. Um, what do you know about Kid Romeo? Because um, I don't know shit about him. Not much. I think he did like appear like in TNA. Let's see. Let me open up because I have like the Wikipedia thing here. Let's see. Oh, he was only... Yeah, so he debuted in 99. He actually retired in 08. Okay. Did he have a WWE run at all? Mm, No. He he wrestled in Puerto Rico. Uh, He did make some... Yeah, did some TNA appearances. Okay. um, Just like some indie stuff and then like he retired. 
Now, when you think primetime Elix Skipper, what do you think? Oh, man, Elix Skipper is, like, a very underrated talent. Like, like um, I mean, I think more of his TNA stuff. There's one moment I have in my mind. It's not a WCW moment, but when I think Elix Skipper, the one thing that comes to my mind is the day he tight-roped on the cage. Oh, like the he fucking cage walk. The cage, like, the cage walk. At didn't TNA, that, apparently. Yeah, a TNA turning point. Yeah, dude, that was that's a TNA moment that's like still played to this day. So damn good, man. And dude, he would do that stuff. Dude, he would do the same thing, not on top of a cage, but he'd do it like walking the the top rope side, sort of doing the same thing in like later matches too. Like, because I'm like kind of like watching through like 2005, like TNA. I'm like, he's putting on some good matches. Like, he should have been an exhibition champion. No doubt, no doubt. I think he was. I don't recall. Maybe, but. I believe he was X Division champion. I could be wrong, but definitely Elix Skipper would go on to TNA and mm-hmm. be part of the foundation of that company when it was first coming on. Because, like, yeah, you had AJ Styles and Jerry Lynn and guys like that, but by the time mm-hmm. it got to where it was going to make any goddamn money, when it was nut up or shut up time, Elix Skipper, like these guys, couldn't have had good matches without folks like Elix Skipper and stuff to take the to, to, to take the L's for him. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah, I really, I really liked Elix Skipper. Of course, Billy Kidman and Rey Mysterio, they would go on. They wouldn't come in. Billy Kidman came in on the invasion. Mysterio did not. He would come in a f- to WWE a few years later. Uh, I think it was about a year later or something. Was it about a year? Okay. Yeah, I think he wrestled at SummerSlam 02. It was his debut match. Okay. And he would do the jumping out of the stage gimmick, and he's back in his mask, and it was mm-hmm. Rey Mysterio... The way we know him and love him today. Yeah. But um, Kidman, he came in on the invasion. And I thought Kidman did a good job coming into this. Because he would, during the invasion, he would gain the WCW Cruiserweight title again. He would get the WWF Light Heavyweight title. He had some good feuds with X-Pac of all fucking people when he first came in. Yeah. Because I remember, like, they did bring the WCW Cruiserweight title as, like, a title they wanted to defend, whatever. Kind of like what they did with the Heavyweight title. But I think it just got unified later on, I guess. It was like heavyweight and cruiserweight, and it got unified at that Survivor Series event. Yeah. So this, out of this match, obviously Mysterio had the most success moving forward. But I would say Kidman and Skipper had their, had really great runs of their own after this. Yeah, Kidman had a good WWE run. He did the thing with Paul London, and I think he works backstage there now. Yeah, I think he still works there. Yeah. Of course, Billy Kidman had also had a good run in WCW. He ended up, at one point, he worked a program with Hogan. How weird is that? Hulk Hogan. Billy Kidman has beat Hulk Hogan. What? That's so fucked. I'm surprised Hogan let that happen with, you know, creative control, brother. I know, but man, I think a lot of that shit is played up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how much of that shit is true. I mean, he probably only beat him because it was like fucking schmaz finish, swerve here, swerve there. Oh, probably. No, I, I think th- if I remember, yeah. He protected the Hulk Hogan character. Mm. But, I mean, I can't say I wouldn't do the fucking same. Like, if it was me. So, up next, we see Sting standing in a dark room full of bats hanging all over the place. And I don't mean bats, the animal, I mean baseball bats. He says, Interesting visual. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I can imagine it the other way around and something bites him halfway through this promo and it just all goes to shit like WCW would. Everything yeah. went right this night, though. Yeah, because but, WWE was producing the event. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but, dude. Uh, yeah, I would have laughed though. Like if Sting like brought out like the shopping cart of all those bats, he's like taking them down. <laughs> I'm gonna hit you with the 74 bats, you piece of shit, Ric Flair. Cuts a shoe promo. I bet he taped that in his fucking basement. Cuts a shoe promo. <laughs> Vinny Mac, my fucking contract, you piece of shit. So uh, Sting cuts a promo, says he accepts Ric Flair's challenge, and we are finally here. The main event of the evening, the final match of WCW, pure WCW in WCW history. The last episode of Nitro, Ric Flair versus Sting. One last time. Of course, Ric Flair wasn't in the best shape. He wasn't in the best place at that yeah, time dude, in his life. He was trying not to wrestle that night. Apparently, like, he didn't bring any of his gear or whatever. And, like, dude, because I think I remember, like, the Bruce Percher or whatever, like, the WWE guys behind the scenes wanted him to face Sting that night. They wanted that to happen. So then they, like, called his family or something to, like, ship, like, some gear from their house. I've heard something like his his robe. Yeah. I'm sure he got he, he got them trunks and boots from somebody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, they, yeah, you got to you gotta get that robe. Um I mean, there there was no better way. When you really think about WCW, what match could you end Nitro with? Could you put, close the book on World Championship Wrestling, Jim Crockett Promotions, uh, the NWA, and every all the history that this promotion had behind it? What other match could you really have here? To, to say goodbye with. I can't think of anything better than Sting versus Ric Flair for this promotion. At this period of time with who was healthy enough to have a match, you know, they were both, I mean, yeah, Sting carried Rick through this one, and it wasn't Rick, but it wouldn't be Rick's last match. Rick would have a hell of a run in WWE. Oh, yeah. After this, like, he started gaining his confidence again, where he's working with, like, top guys again. Yeah, he started working with guys like Triple H and things like that. Jericho. Who the fuck he was, yeah. Yeah. Surprise, surprise! The singer is back, of course. Did you think I would miss this night? Not for nothing would I miss this night. This is an historic night. One more dance with the nature boy, Rick Flair. We started it years ago, Rick, and tonight we're going to end it once and for all. And for all you fans out there who are wondering what the future holds for Sting, well, the only thing for sure about Sting is nothing's for sure. It's showtime, folks! Sting has had, you know, I mean, Sting's whole appeal is that he is Sting. Yeah. Like, he doesn't need to have a long run anywhere. He can show up, be there a few months, go on and do the next thing. Mm-hmm. Go away for a couple of years, come and go as he pleases, and he'll always be a novelty. And we're always, don't get me wrong, Sting is a legend. He's a legend of WCW. Uh, talk about homegrown talent. I mean, Sting is just as homegrown for WCW as Hulk Hogan was for WWF. 
Yeah. I mean, he yeah, was he taken from another promotion that got absorbed into the yeah, yeah but so yeah. was everybody back then. They didn't have yeah. indies that it worked differently than it does today. Yeah, and it's, you make the same argument for a lot of people, like what if oh, but this is the WWE guy when someone like jumps ship to another company. Yeah, it's like. No, he's a fucking wrestler, man. Just because maybe he's made his name there or whatever, but like, no. Listen, yeah, dude, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall were WWE guys, but I think a lot of people will associate him more with WCW now yeah. after that run. So, I mean, it's all about how you book and perception and all that. Oh, definitely. But Sting beat Ric Flair via tap out. They hug and embrace. time to wipe the tears from our eyes or should the simulcast you something <laughs> because as soon as the match is over as soon as they hug we cut to vince mcmahon walking down to the ring on monday night raw vince cuts a promo he talks about uh he names some guys in wcw does like an audience survey yeah he's doing the cheer boo shit we could take wcw and perhaps turn it into this huge media conglomerate, much like World Wrestling Federation Entertainment is today. We know how to do that. But if we do that, I'm wondering, uh, well, who should be a part of this WCW? And maybe you can help me out here. Um, Why I give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down, I want you to react. Maybe you can help me out a little bit. Assuming we'd want to acquire some of those stars. Let's start with Hulk Hogan. Up. Hogan down. All right. Let's go to uh, Lex Luger. Up. Lex Luger down. about uh, Buff Bagwell up? Bagwell down. How about, uh, let's see, Booker T up? Booker T down. You guys are a mixed group out here. How about, uh, Big Papa Pup up. Papa 
None of the people he named would come over on the invasion, except for one, Buff Bagwell. Ugh. Oh, come on. You didn't like Buff Bagwell. Famous male gigolo Buff Bagwell? No. <laughs> no, not the, not the guy who him and Lex Luger threw a fucking temper tantrum at the last WCW pay-per-view because you're losing. Oh, man. I had, uh, I had high I'm hopes fucking for Buff loser. Bagwell. Yeah. Mama's famous mama's boy, Buff Bagwell. <laughs> yeah, his mama got him fired. <laughs> you know, the first time I worked with Buff Bagwell, I haven't ever told this story on air before. <laughs> first time I worked with Buff Bagwell, we had uh, scheduled him to appear at three shows. And uh, he was coming over for a pretty good bit of money. And he would appear in Memphis. He would appear Friday night in Memphis. No, 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 no. There was a Thursday thing he was doing. He was doing some kind of autograph signing in Memphis. Okay. We we got with his agents. We got him booked. He sent us the promo shit, so we had the photos, made the flyers and everything. And uh, so then he was supposed to go Friday night to Tupelo, Mississippi, and then Saturday night to Boonville, Mississippi, where my home promotion was. And make an appearance there. So Friday night comes, you know, I think he went to the thing in Memphis and then Friday night comes and, uh, we get to the arena. Buff's not coming. Fuck. Something, something. And why is Buff not coming? Well, his mom got sick. And so now he's like, okay, so they bought that excuse. I'm not sure if I buy that, but that's yeah, what that's that's what we were told. Um, so, and man, some guys, the guys that were getting to work with Buff were game, and they had custom gear made for that night that had like NWO, but with their logos yeah. kind of made with it, just so they could wear it with Buff. And so the audience came in, and we had to put up signs, although the Buff was not showing up tonight. Mm. and uh man that was really disappointing and really pissed me off kind of to be honest with you but uh i would work with him eventually and he would he was one of the nicest guys uh you could talk to but this would be like three years later mm-hmm. like he'd done he he, he <sighs> time humbled him is what happened i think Oh yeah, but definitely. Then it comes out the story about Judy Bagwell. The reason he got fired is because Judy Bagwell called uh, somebody or Jim whatever. Ross, was it? Jim Ross or well, whatever happened. Uh, I don't know that whole story, but that story came out not a few years after all of that shit with us went down. And I was like, you know what? I can see that happening because now I've been. <laughs> 
a similar situation. I've been on the opposite side of a similar situation. Now I was just a worker. I wasn't a promoter or anything, but um, when he did show up, he was good to work with. He could draw a crowd. He, he was not a jerk backstage. He was fun to talk to. He had some damn good stories to tell. And he was definitely the life of the party backstage. But um, I don't know, just for whatever reason, he couldn't get his shit together at mm. this probably the most critical time of his career. Yeah. And when it mattered most. And that's what happened. He faded away. And of course, Shane Vince McMahon is saying he's going to have Ted Turner walk out on WrestleMania this Sunday, because remember Monday night raw is the go home show. The competition mm -hmm. airing simultaneously on TNN right now is the last raw before WrestleMania. So he's going to have Ted Turner come out this Sunday at WrestleMania. Shane McMahon walks out in Panama city beach says that was the opportunity he needed. The contract does say McMahon, but instead it reads Shane McMahon. Vince is like, <laughs> fucking reaction. The <laughs> last.
contract reads, Shane McMahon. WCW did in the past, how it kicked your ass in the past, and it will again. That's exactly what's going to happen to you this Sunday at WrestleMania. thing we see as WCW Nitro goes off the air is Shane McMahon saying, that's right, Dad, I now own WCW, and then they put over WrestleMania. With the freaking My Way package. Yeah, we get a we get a, a, a commercial for WrestleMania 17 this Sunday as the last it. thing we saw on WCW television. So when it was all said and done, what did you think? I mean, it's an all right way to go out. I feel like I wish the matches would have been like a little bit longer, because like the longest match in this card was the Flair Sting match was seven minutes. Yeah, we had to give that the respect it deserved. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of these other matches could have went a bit longer or something. You know, but I guess they had to fill in time for the simulcast. Well, they had. I mean, they had what they had to work with. Out of a two-hour show, they probably had an hour and a half. Yeah. Probably an hour with when you take commercials out. So I get why it looked like it looked. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody believed it was going to be the last WCW at the time. Mm -hmm. I think we all were, you know, came out of it excited about what was the new WCW going to look like. Mm -hmm. Of course, we'd get a little disappointed by that. Yeah. But I mean,. It had the wrestling world shaken when this went down. Literally, yeah. Monday Night Wars are dead. I'm, honestly, it's been 20 years, and wrestling still isn't really have, hasn't really gone back to those heights again. It's crazy. We've it's, got no, a lot more competition now. Yeah, I think now it's a lot more. Yeah, there's a lot more out there, man. There's a lot more out there. You know what I think happened? I think WCW exploded. And, and this is this is my analogy for it. When WCW exploded, it planted that tree got struck by lightning, but all mm-hmm. of these sticks and seeds that were in the tree fell onto the ground. And here we are 20 years later with other trees that have grown out of the seeds that were sown from the death of this company. Yeah. I mean, like, people always want to try and pinpoint the one thing. It's like, this was, like, the beginning of the end, or this was the, the nail in the coffin thing. But if it was, like, so many things, and it was just, like, a fucking tidal wave going, oh, and yeah. then it just ends up going, boom, that's it. You know? I mean, there is no one thing that shut down WCW. The last straw, I mean, the nail in the coffin was the people that merged with Time Warner didn't want the property. Jamie Kellner. Jamie Kellner, I mean, you have no nobody else to blame. I yeah. mean, yeah, the, the product could have been better going up to that point. But even even when WWF was kicking their ass, yeah. Nitro was still the highest rated thing on WWE. Do you realize WC, WWE Raw today 
doesn't get as high a ratings as Nitro did in its lowest point ever. Yeah, dude, this final episode of Nitro was a, was a three in the ratings, a full 3.0. Now Raw is, what, a 1.8? Yeah, I mean, this was still the highest rated motherfucking thing on TNT. Maybe, maybe basketball could compete with it. Hmm. But... Even with like we get we get hung up on the fact that WWF was doing twice as good, and what we forget is WCW was over here. In, yes, in second place, but goddamn the prize that they the prize for second place was very good. They were still very popular, and I think yeah, WWF was more popular, but it should never be. I think we all remember who won. And we all remember that they won in the ratings. But what we forget is that second place rating was higher than anything else on TV. Yeah, it's higher than anything right now. Yeah. So, I mean, even though WWF was the popular brand, WCW, I feel like, went out and at the top of the game. And then the very next week, six days later, was WrestleMania 17. That's a whole other podcast itself, but mm-hmm. we saw the end, what people are uh, are now officially calling the end of the Attitude Era yeah. at, the, at the very next show. So it was a hell of a week in pro wrestling all the way around. Well, do you have any uh, anything else you want to talk about on here? Do you have any other final thoughts about this before we wrap up for the show, the show today? Um, yeah, it's just, it's, as much as a shame as it is to be like, you know, see like the demise of WCW. I mean, like, I think it's still, it's still crazy that we, and like a lot of other wrestling fans are talking about this 20 years later. I mean, like the legacy of this company, like it just hasn't died. Like if people still talk about this stuff, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between, um, what would happen if it still uh, existed? If realistically, a lot of people want to ask that question, like big, what ifs, you know, I feel like it's would have been fucking TNA, what TNA was. So like, yeah, I think like, cause well, if Bischoff got it, whatever, they didn't have the TV, right? So they probably do the whole pay-per-view thing. That's what I think they do until they find a, you know, a pay-per-view person, whatever. I feel like TNA was basically just that, that what if, if WCW still existed, it would have focused more on the cruiserweights. Still have your main event guys here and there probably have some enough to take some pay cuts. Oh, yeah, I definitely have to take some pay cuts. If Eric Bischoff and Fusion Media would have gotten the same deal that WWF got, WCW could have went away. WCW could have went away and came back. And, yeah, it would have been very, uh, very much, very similar to, if not exactly like, Impact Mm -hmm. in that period of time that would come up a year later because they were not going to tour it. They were going to put it at the the Hard Rock in Las Vegas. Mm Mm-hmm. And they were going to do it live from there every week. They were going to yeah. do all the pay-per-views and everything from the Hard Rock in Las Vegas. And so they fun to tour. Yeah, and I think getting away from being a television entity first and a pay-per-view entity second, because that's another thing we don't talk about with WCW nearly enough, is their pay-per-views suck. And their TV was where it was at. Like yeah. all the good shit happened on TV. Nothing good hardly ever happened on pay per view with yeah. WCW. They were owned by a, a TV company. You know, they were owned by Turn Network. They're essentially a TV company. They probably didn't make any money off TV. They made their money off pay per views and stuff. But but I think under a Bischoff in in the Bischoff era, I think he would have known 
that it's not a television. You know what I mean? He would have been smart enough to change that. I like to think. Mm-hmm. And WCW, that that what if I think could look and still could still be alive today. Mm-hmm. I mean, fucking impact is. Yeah, like it's been almost twenty years. Holy shit! Literally next year would be twenty years. That's insane. That is insane. If a company that's been like, oh my god, on and off between this person investing, this company, and this one, like holy. Shit. That that that's another fucking thing for their podcast. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. Jeez. But yeah, man, the legacy still continues. The the memory will never die. You know. Well, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of wrestling. Is that what we're going to call it? Wrestling. I'm going to call it wrestling for now until we think of a better name. I don't know. So, uh, thank you guys for tuning into our first wrestling podcast. We hope to uh, do more of these in the future. See what happens. See if you like it, this variety. And if you're here on GunsAndRadio.com, thanks for checking out our website. Thank you for uh, supporting the Patreon. And why don't you come back next week where we'll be, or this coming Monday, where Mm -hmm. we'll be back again for some more Guns and Radio. And every Saturday, we talk about rock and roll music with Shotcast Saturday, where we continue to... uh, catalog and review everything guns and roses related and that's a whole other show that if you haven't checked that out we hope you'll join us for that very soon and until next time i'm dustin bones and i'm chris caputo we will uh see you next time hopefully if you guys like this we'll continue this shit uh we'll see you next time slobber knockers guns and fucking wrestling bill watch southern wrestling Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, I'm son of a bitch. Chocolate right. titties. Good night, everyone. Rise off the air. Oh my god. <laughs> Triple H, you fucking bastard. Hey, Triple H. Triple H. Triple H. Oh.